0: I get to heaven, I'm going to shake God's hand, thanking for more blessings than one man can stand. Then I'm going to get a guitar and start a rock and roll band, Check to a swell hotel. Ain't the afterlife grand? And then I'm going to get a cocktail, vodka and ginger ale. Yeah, I'm going to smoke a cigarette that's nine miles long. I'm going to kiss that pretty girl On the tilt of the world Cause this old man is going to town (laughs) Then as God is my witness I'm getting back into show business I'm going to open up a nightclub called the Tree of Forgiveness And forgive everybody ever done me any harm why well, I might even invite a few choice critics Those syphilitic parasitics Buy them a pint of Smithix And smother them with my charm Cause then I'm going to get a cocktail vodka and ginger ale Yeah, I'm going to smoke a cigarette That's nine miles long I'm going to kiss that pretty girl On the tilt to world. Yeah, this old man is going to town. Yeah, when I get to heaven... I'm gonna take that wristwatch off my arm. What are you gonna do with time after you bought the farm? And then I'm gonna go find my mom and dad. And good old brother Doug, why I bet him and cousin Jackie are still cutting up a rug. I wanna see all my mama's sisters, cause that's where all the love starts. I miss them all like crazy. Bless her little hearts And I always will remember These words my daddy said He said Buddy When you're dead You're a dead peckerhead I hope to prove him wrong That is When I get to heaven Cause I'm gonna have a cocktail Vodka and ginger ale. Yeah, I'm gonna smoke a cigarette that's nine miles long. I'm gonna kiss that pretty girl on the tilt to work Yeah, this old man is going to town. Yeah, this old man is going to town. Do do do, do 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 I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be
1: rocky. You're a teenage guest, it's shocky now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful Let's look.
0: Did that voice inside you say I've heard it all before? It's like déjà
1: Thursday May 18th 2023 how are you doing kids you are at jc on the it's really hard getting out of bed today i haven't sort of sleeping until i feel like it the last year or so and i got gonna get up early and do the radio show on 101.5 and 101.7 and if you don't know about that by the way it's our new radio station rockin americana if you're in st louis 101.5 if you're west and beyond 101.7 and uh, they're telling me that the smart speaker thing could be hooked up I mean they were telling me they thought it would be yesterday. Now maybe it'll be today, maybe it'll be tomorrow, but it'd be nice to be able to just bark into your Alexa and uh, just uh, tell that dumb machine in <laughs> tell it what you want to hear in which case it is K W U L K Wolf whatever played some damn good stuff today. Played some old James Gang I'm not talking about Walk Away. I'm talking about I play Must Be Love, Big Yellow Taxi, Joni Mitchell, and then this Americana stuff like uh, Turnpike Troubadours. I got a really cool song called 1968. What was the other one that I really liked from this morning? Oh, you see a band by the name of Inhaler. And doesn't that sound like some alternative, really, really hard ass wild guitar band? And they might be on some of their other tracks, but there's a cutout right now called These Are the Days. It's really good. And then you get this guy, Jason Isbell, who from time to time sounds a little bit like maybe if Jackson Brown was just coming out now. That's what he sort of sounds like. So just a couple of little things here and there. We do a lot of the old features and have a lot of fun, and I don't want the podcast to turn into just a commercial for the radio show. So we shall move on. On a great day this morning, Kent and Miss Hediger, we're talking about... About something that I talked about when I was doing those Fox 2 commentaries for about a year on the five and the nine o'clock show on uh, Channel 2 News. They let me come on and do these, like, you know, 90 second essays. Just uh, it was called What's on My Mind and Whatever Was on My Mind That Day. I just saw it the other day. I just thought of one of those the other day because it was in a parking lot. And this guy, I swear to God, he must have been going 40 miles an hour through a Target parking lot. And I'm looking at myself. There's people just walking out of their cars, just closing the door, taking one step and having to lunge out of the way because some asshole is driving dangerously fast in a parking lot. I've told my daughter, who's only 13, but will you know, in a couple of years we'll be taking driver's ed, to watch out for parking lots. You can't see little kids. People drive too fast. I just don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what they're thinking. It's just so easy to hit somebody. Or hit another car in a parking lot, there's people backing out, can't see where you're going. The person driving might not always be, uh, you know, a great driver. Maybe age sometimes has something to do with that. The point is this, slow down. But the other one was, I had done a commentary back on Fox 2 when I was doing it, about problems involving youth sports. Because more and more we're seeing these stories about some you know referee, some umpire. You know, a lot of times these kids who are umpiring aren't a lot older than the kids who are playing on the field. You get like a 17-year-old kid who knows the rules of baseball really well and says, yeah, I'd be an umpire. They're all quitting because they're being threatened by parents sitting in the stands watching their kid play. You know, you're not making a ton of money and you're all hunched over and it's hot out. Take a foul ball in the teeth, and then you got some jacked up parent in the stands who doesn't like the way you're umpiring, and then decides to bring it out on the field and sometimes even make physical contact. Well, here was my proposal, and I don't think that this is impractical or out of the realm of possibility. All right, you go to Bush Stadium, and you decide to take a stroll out on the field. I'm just going to run out there and run around a little bit. Maybe I'll go up to one of the players and introduce myself. Well, that's against the law. That's against the law, and plus you'll probably also be hit by an overzealous, young, fit stadium worker who decides to take you out and blindside you, adding injury to insult, and then on top of it, you end up going to jail. Okay, why shouldn't that be the case with all athletic fields? Unless your kid is out there and is injured, in which case... uh, It's totally reasonable for you to run out there. But if it's just a normal game situation and you come out of the stands and you set foot out onto the playing surface or out onto the field, maybe you don't throw them in jail overnight, but maybe you put a stiff fine in there. Because right now, there's no incentive, or I should really say the other way around. There's no deterrent for people who, you know, maybe have had a couple of beers. There's a lot of the parents drink at the games, too. That's not a good combination. You set foot on that field. How about a nice um, $250 fine? You wouldn't see people coming out on the field anymore. And it's safer. Nobody gets hurt. And you don't have all these referees and officials and umpires quitting. They're they're canceling youth sports activities because they can't get anybody to do the refereeing and the umpire because of this problem. So somebody do something. My idea is is the only idea I've heard so far. Therefore, it becomes the best. You know, if I didn't have a rotten back, I probably would umpire. I had an umpire on Sunday, and we're just a bunch of old guys playing baseball on the Wednesdays and Sunday mornings. hardball. You know, it's real baseball. And I'm out there pitching, and I got an umpire the other day who just decides he's not going to bend over or get into a crouch or do anything. He's behind home plate. He's just going to stand there. And you cannot see pitches accurately Unless you're hunched down the level of the eye level of the catcher. And so I'm throwing strikes at the knees. I'm throwing pitches. I work the corners, okay? I live on the corners. And he's not giving to the corners. He's not giving to the low strike because he can't see it from where he's just standing there. So a couple of times I would throw a pitch. And he wouldn't call anything. And I would just sort of stand there looking like, all right, do I say something? Do I not say something? And finally, after two or three of those times were pitches that were clearly strikes, but that he couldn't see from his vantage point. You know, I was standing out there and then he yelled out to me, if I don't call anything, it's a ball. And I said to him, that's not the problem. And I should point out that in general, I am very, very respectful of of the men in blue who are working these games it's not an easy thing to do uh, i have friends who are umpires my buddy bill teamer who lives down in dallas right now but was an umpire on all different levels um in the st louis area for many many years and i'm uh you know after knowing him as long as i have you know you think to yourself well I wouldn't want to do that to Bill, so I'm not going to do that to anybody else. So normally I'm very, I, I, I refer to the guy as Mr. Umpire. Mr. Umpire, you want that ball, you know, blah, blah. But my, you know, as I always say, respect is earned, okay? Respect is earned. And if you're not going to earn the respect because you're not even going to really do your job, you're not going to get yourself into position where you can call these pitches. Adequately? Well, you've lost my respect, but I'm still going to be mean about it or anything. But I did say something about. I'm just trying to find your strike zone. Now he's all pissed. It's like, well, do your job, and there's no problem. But I'm not going to go fight the guy. Actually, the thought occurred to me. Be- no, that's not. No, hell, there's lots of fun things to think about doing, but you don't actually act on them. So I like, just lay in bed at night, thinking about people I'd like to fuck up. All right, what is this now? Another Supreme Court ruling. So, does it change anything about how social media operates then, Laura?
0: Well, we're going to have to dig into some of the language.
1: Twitter now, not know, liable for something. aiding terrorists. All right, there was a uh, there was a lawsuit against Twitter saying that uh, the posts that the Proud Boys and some of the other January 6 insurrectionists they had used Twitter to, you know, basically uh, organize this whole thing somebody sued and said, well, Twitter's got to be liable. The Supreme Court says no.
0: Overseas, that They didn't sue ISIS. They sued the tech companies. And remember, the idea was that the tech companies were guiding people, sort of steering them to problematic ISIS-related propaganda that was used as a recruitment tool online, on Twitter and on Google. And the idea was that those tech companies knowingly you um, knew that their platforms were being used that way and didn't do anything about it. But it seems as though, based off of some Some of the language here that the court was really worried about opening up Pandora's box, if you will, if they had allowed these claims to go forward. And so they've decided, again, at least on this record, not to do it.
1: All right. There you go. NBC News right there. My daughter turns 14 this fall and uh, the last year or so she's been absolutely obsessed with the TV show Friends. And all I kept thinking to myself was, thank God she was not around for sex in the city. But in both cases, she wants to move to New York now because of what she sees on TV. And I keep explaining to her, it's a TV show. And by the way, there's uh, sexual content in Friends, a lot of sexual innuendo, and not even innuendo. I mean, they're coming right out and saying what they're doing. And I always say to her, now you know this is a TV show. Don't be getting the idea that this is how... People treat one another or should treat one another. They're they're doing this stuff for jokes, for comedy, and she's pretty mature for her age, so at least so far, I'm okay with it. Although I do have moments where I'm like, I don't know, you hear something on the show from the other room and you're like, oh, Jesus. What? You know, all the primetime shows are dirty now. Two and a half Men, the Charlie Sheen thing? That show is filthy. There were half-naked chicks going in and out of the place all hours of the day and night. Nobody really said anything about it. Big Bang. There's a lot of sexual stuff in that, too. It's like one of the top shows in the history of situation comedies. What I don't like is when they do the Emmy Awards, the Emmy Awards for television, and you have shows that are on regular, over-the-air network TV in the same category as stuff that's on cable. Well... You can do all sorts of stuff on cable, Netflix, you know, streaming services that you can't do in network TV. How's that a fair fight? And I don't know what we're going to do about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because every year it just gets a little worse and people get a little more pissed off. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is a fine organization and a great vacation spot you know if you're going to go do something plus you're right on the lake there in Cleveland so it stays a little cool I mean you walk outside of the Rock and Hall of Fame you can see the water Lake Erie's right there and I always say you got to dedicate at least two days at least two days same thing with the Baseball Hall of Fame at least two days and part of the problem with the Rock Hall is that you can spend an entire day and you'll see most of the exhibits, maybe, you know, and some people don't want to see everything. There's certain things they want to see. But you need at least a couple of hours to dedicate to the gift shop. It's one of the biggest gift shops for any sort of attraction that I think I've ever seen. And they have so much stuff. They must, there must be thousands and thousands of different Items, everything from, you know, tour jackets and posters and, you know, big expensive wall hangings, everything like that, all the way down to like little knickknacks and buttons and key rings and keychains. That takes at least a couple hours to really see all of that stuff. But back to friends and sex in the city, and all that sort of stuff, you know. My first wife uh lived in New York for a couple of years before she moved back to St. Louis and then we got married and you know lived together. but for a couple of years there she was living um I was approaching Harlem it was probably about like you know hundred and eleventh street or something like that and she was in a high rise apartment building it was probably if I had to guess maybe about six hundred square feet. She had three roommates, three. In 600 square feet. On Friends, they're like living in an airport hangar. And yeah, there's six of them. So, you know, everybody's pitching in, but you'd still need about 106 people sharing that apartment and each pitching in if they could have afforded it. I keep explaining to my daughter, okay, you know, if you go to New York, you're going to be living in a one, you know, just not even a bedroom. You're going to live in an efficiency apartment and you're going to walk in and go, This is an efficiency apartment. The toilet and the kitchen are in the same room. Matter of fact, everything's in the same room. And, by the way, it's amazing how often the friends go into the coffee shop and that couch is always available. And they're always there at the same time. Does anybody work? Well, that was the thing with sex in the city. You know, young, impressionable women for the duration of the time that that show was on television got the idea that this was how things were and this is how things were supposed to be and i always remember thinking to myself do these girls work because all i see them do is dress up in really really fancy expensive designer clothes while they're living in new york which already costs a fortune they all have gorgeous apartments None of them ever seem to have to go to work or work overtime or work weekends, which is what, you know, you move to New York and you go to work for, you know, I don't know, a magazine or something like that. Trust me, you're working seven days a week and you're getting in at like 630 in the morning and you're leaving at like nine o'clock at night because if you won't do it, I guarantee you, they will find somebody who will do it. And then you turn 40, and then they have no use for you anymore, and it's out the door. Same thing in the advertising industry in big cities like, you know, Chicago and New York and Dallas and L.A. 40 years old, get your stuff and report to H.R. Friends, sex in the city, fiction. Oh, and by the way, with all the hooking up on that show, probably half the cast of both shows would have gotten the clap. Oh, and I think I may have solved another problem. So now you have these swimmers and I don't know what other athletes, track and field people. Some person is born a man, becomes trans, now lives his life as a woman, But still has most of the or all of the man parts and then decides to go out and swim with the women's team. And just by virtue of the fact that he was born as a man just beats the snot out of all the other women who are competing, many people would say, legitimately. So, what do you do? You don't want to discriminate against the people who are trans. But if that's my daughter, and, you know, she might be on her way to the state championship in some sport, and all of a sudden, a a, a person who was born a man comes in and then takes all of her titles away, I'm pretty pissed about that. What do you do? JC has the solution. I think you create a new category. The world has changed. Grade school, high school, college, pro, pro. Doesn't matter. The world has changed. You got to change with it. So you have a trans category. You hand out the trophies. Here's the men's trophy. Here's the women's trophy. Here's the trans trophy. Nobody gets discriminated against. Everything's fair. Trans people compete only against other trans people. There's nobody to compete against because there's no other trans person on the team. Here, here's your trophy. You win. Is it a perfect solution? No. Is it better than what we have now, which is basically nothing and everybody getting mad at everybody? Well, that's not doing anybody any good, is it? Now, you know anything about me, you know, I'm semi-obsessed with two historical events in this country. One is the Cuban Missile Crisis, 1962. The other one is the Kent State Killings in 1970. And I find this odd at the absolute minimum. So, you know, Alec Baldwin is coming off this uh, situation with rust. And he uh, points the gun and the gun goes off. He says he didn't pull the trigger. There are varying degrees of opinions about whether or not that could or could not have happened. Regardless, it did happen. You got somebody dead. I just saw yesterday they wrapped up shooting of that movie, no pun intended. They wrapped up that movie, and the first thing he did was shave off that beard. So anyhow, they're like, well, Alec, that's all done. It's in editing now. It'll be coming out whenever. There'll probably be a lot of people curious about it. They want to see this movie because they want to see sort of what led up to it, what the situation was before the tragedy occurred. What's your next project going to be? And he says, Kent State. A movie about Kent State, the... Deadly confrontation between the Ohio National Guard and student protesters during the Vietnam War. This was right after Nixon put the bombs in Haiphong Harbor. And, uh, you know, it was an escalation. It was a major escalation of the war. And people were like, hey, hey, wait a minute. We thought we were trying to get out of this. And instead, you're jacking it up. And so all hell broke loose. And you got, as the song said, four dead in Ohio. Interesting choice for a guy who had his own gun tragedy, wouldn't you say? Yesterday, just as we were getting off, did I mention this already, that thing about Meghan Markle and Prince Harry? You know, yesterday looked like, oh, my God, they almost ran him off the road. It was almost another Princess Diana thing. And now it's like, no, they weren't being chased. They were being followed. There was a little bit of chaos. But nobody's life was in danger. And this this was nothing like the Princess Diana thing in Paris with Dodi Al-Fayed. Odd that I can remember that guy's name, and I can't remember what day my trash pickup takes place. TBS bringing back The Joe Schmo Show, a fake reality show where all the contestants are actors except one who ends up being the butt of the joke. The original debuted 20 years ago. A new Pink Panther movie in the works with Eddie Murphy as Detective Jacques Clouseau. It's also going to be a CGI animated Pink Panther. And this one is more sad than anything. Michigan man has been charged with the theft of Judy Garland's ruby slippers from The Wizard of Oz. He's up there in Michigan. He is 76 years old. Grandpa, is there anything you want to tell us? All right, birthdays today. The immensely talented Tina Fey, who I've never had the opportunity to interview. I'm really looking forward to that someday. 53 years old. You know, I will tell you, there was a guy who did Traffic. I don't know if he's still there on uh, uh, KTRS. guy by the name of Ed Smarin. Real low voice and a good, solid you know, performer on the air. Does the Traffic Reports. Ed is also a musician and was a piano player back in the day and... All Second City performances in Chicago, including the touring company, they go out and they do colleges and special events and festivals and stuff. They have have the regular uh, troupe of comedians who work the shows right there at 1616 North Wells at Second City. But then they also have another group of comedians, sort of the up-and-comers who are still learning stuff, and they go out on the road with this touring company. So I don't know how many many years ago it was. My guess was sometime in the 90s, early 90s. Ed Sperrin gets a job being the piano player for Second City on the road. And he is there in the van on the road with Tina Fey. So that would be a great thing to uh, pull up if I ever get a chance to meet Miss Fey. As I said, 53 today. George Strait, the king of country, 71. Reggie Jackson, who they still call Mr. October, yet Albert Pujols had three home runs in the World Series, and he yet Mr. October. Then again, Reggie Jackson, nobody calls him the Mang. So there. I remember this day, back in college, I was scared shitless. I had to go register for the draft. And the Vietnam War was still going back then, and I was not happy about it. That law was put into place on this date, 106 years ago, between the ages of 21 and 30, you're a guy, you got to go register for military service. Could be worse. Could be Israel, where men and women have to register for the draft. I used, to, uh, I used to laugh at these songs from back in the 60s. One of them was called For the Love of Him. And if you read the lyrics to this song, you'd say to yourself, this is making me sick to my stomach, because it's basically this woman wailing away about how for the love of him, Make him your reason for living. That's how the lyric goes. It gets worse than that. Then there was a Bobby Sherman song called, Uh, oh, Little Woman. And right there, you got a problem, I'm sure. And it went, hey, little woman, please make up your mind. You got to come to my world and leave your world behind. He's basically saying, you want to be with me? Forget everything you did in life up until now because your life now is about me. I am the center of your universe. I mean, if you heard these two songs, you'd say to yourself, "I can't believe that anybody ever thought this way." But almost everybody did for for a very, very long time. Our our improved treatment of women in this country is a so pretty new concept. All right. So, sixty years ago today, nineteen sixty three, the song called "If You Want to Be Happy" comes out. Now, that sounds pretty innocuous, doesn't it? Guy's name is Jimmy Soul. Oh, look at this. If you want to be happy, I want to be happy. What does the song sound like? Well, it goes. I <laughs> <laughs> almost choked there. The song goes if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife. So, from my personal point of view, get an ugly girl to marry you. I feel like I'm making that up. I'm not. Look it up 1963, Jimmy Soul. So from my personal point of view, get an ugly girl to marry you. There's one point in the song where the guy, another one of the singers sort of off in the background goes, Man, I saw your wife. She is ugly. And the guy goes, Yeah, but she sure can cook. Again. This was only one generation ago. And so people who were watching Mad Men a couple years ago were like, Oh, it wasn't never that bad. Yes, it was. It was worse. I remember I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan in 1980, 43 years ago today, where you had photographers and nature seekers and thrill lovers and just nosy people and a lot of media saying, oh, I don't know if this Mount St. Helens thing is actually ever going to erupt. I'm just going to set up my camera because if the thing ever goes, I want to make sure I get a good, oops, 57 dead. The first Shrek was released on this date back in 2001. I think most people know by now, Chris Farley was originally hired to do the voice of Shrek, and he got through almost the entire thing. I mean, they were like four-fifths done, and that's when Farley OD'd. So now they're like, we got to go back and record this character, the entire thing again. Who are we going to get? And so they approached Mike Myers, and he started doing it in his regular voice, but then he said, can I just try something? So he pulls out that Scottish accent that he used to do on Saturday Night Live, and his dad was Scottish and actually talked that way. And the producers were like, this is great. This is great. And now it's almost impossible to imagine anybody but Mike Myers doing that Scottish accent as the voice of Shrek. But Chris Farley was intended to be the guy, that first Shrek movie released on this date in 2001. And Facebook stock went public for the first time on this date 11 years ago. The initial offering, 38 bucks a share. Today, the stock is valued at $242 a share. 1994 on this date, the RFT columnist who referred to my lawsuit against another broadcast program on in the morning. Well, he called it a ludicrous lawsuit. Ludicrous. It was so ludicrous, the jury ended up ruling in my favor to the tune of $370,000. The movers arrived in Buffalo on this date in 1984. The big move to St. Louis was underway. Mike Bush joined our show, the old Breakfast Club, back on this date in 1987. And Harold Ramis, just one of the coolest, smartest, funniest greatest guys i have ever met in my life show business or not was in st louis in 1991 getting the founder's day award from his alma mater washington university he and his uh, friend in chicago his friend was uh, uh, being driven down from chicago to st louis to go look at WashU with the intent of putting in an application so harold was along "Eh, what the hell I'll, i'll fill out an application too so what well harold (laughs) he <laughs> gets a call from WashU. We'd like you to come to school here. And his friend gets nothing. Nobody said the world was fair. And Robert De Niro revealed his newborn baby's name is Gia. As in, Gee, I wonder if I'm going to feel like a dumbass having a kid at 79. And with that, the J.C. Grogren Podcast for What is it? Thursday, May 18th, 2023 is in the can. We're here every weekday morning at 11. We're on the air on the brand new K Wolf, com online. 101.5 in St. Louis. 101.7 West and beyond. You can always contact me, JC at com. Facebook, The Showgram with JC Corcoran. Have a great day, everybody. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye.
0: The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.